0: Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained Podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of John. Hey guys, good morning and thanks for tuning into the Bible Explained Podcast. And hi, my name is Jen. I am the host here. So guess what? I'm back to drinking coffee again. <laughs> Last week, I told you guys, I was like, I haven't drank coffee in so long, you know, and and I got some and I got nauseated. Well, what happened was on Sunday, there's coffee available at my church. And because I get there very early in the morning because I do worship, um, I started drinking coffee again because it was available. And uh, yeah, I'm back on coffee now ever since then. Apparently, addictions do not go away that quickly. (laughs) And I realized something. I was choosing tea primarily because it was easier for me to make in the morning because all I have to do with my electric kettle is just push the little button, like fill it with water and push the button, and then it does all the work for me. Whereas with coffee, you got to go through all the steps, you know, you got to clean out the the old grounds you gotta you know wash out the thing and then you have to put new grounds in then you gotta wash the the kettle thingy whatever that is the carafe it takes much longer to make coffee than it does tea so I realized that part of me was choosing the tea out of convenience but I just realized I just I like the coffee I don't know if my addiction to it will ever quite go away (laughs) so tell me what kind of coffee you enjoy do you enjoy it black do you enjoy it with some sugar milk uh, half and half. Tell me what you like in your coffee. So, comment on this episode, or you can contact me. Introduce yourself. Tell me where you're from and answer that question. What is your favorite coffee? All right, let's go ahead and read John chapter four, which is the story of the woman at the well. I love this story. I think a lot of people love this story because it's a great story about Jesus' kindness to a Samaritan woman who he meets at a well. So, we're going to talk about this today. Let's read John 4 1 through 42. Sounds like a lot of verses, but they're actually quite short. So let's go ahead and read this. I'll be reading out of the WEB version or the World English Bible. Feel free to pause the podcast to grab your version of the Bible and your cup of coffee. And let's go ahead and read this. John chapter four, verses one through 42. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself didn't baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into Galilee. He needed to pass through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being tired from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman therefore said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. So where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from it himself, as did his children and his livestock? Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I don't get thirsty, neither come all the way here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship that which you don't know. We worship at that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour comes and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such to be his worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah comes, he who is called the Christ. When he has come, he will declare to us all things. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who speaks to you. At this his disciples came. They marveled that he was speaking with a woman, yet no one said, what are you looking for or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went away into the city and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything that I did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the city and were coming to him. In the meanwhile, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food that you don't know about. The disciples therefore said one to another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Don't you say? There are yet four months until the harvest. Behold, I tell you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, that they are white for harvest already. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit to eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you haven't labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything that I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they begged him to stay with them. He stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, now we believe not because of your speaking, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this indeed is the Christ, the savior of the world. I really think that this is such an endearing passage of scripture. I just like it so much. Jesus' like, kind responses to this very snarky Samaritan woman. At least I, I definitely read her as being a very snarky and honestly very bitter person that may have a lot of resentment towards men and Jews. But anyway, it says here that Jesus was... Making and baptizing more disciples than John. And the Pharisees found out about it because Jesus' popularity was growing. And of course, the Pharisees were dangerous individuals that had a lot of power and were able to um, honestly destroy people's lives if they wanted to, and they did. And uh, Jesus ends up leaving, I think, because of that potential threat, because it wasn't Jesus' time yet. So Jesus leaves. But in verse 2, it actually says that Jesus did not baptize anybody, but his disciples did in fact baptize. Um, I think that's an important thing to note, though I did definitely mention that on Thursday. But this is the verse where it says that it says in verse 2, although Jesus himself didn't baptize, but his disciples. So Jesus was not the one baptizing, but he was growing a lot of disciples. And then of course, his disciples were baptizing other disciples. And they were gaining quite a following, more so than John the Baptist. So he left Judea and departed into Galilee. And it says in verse 4, he needed to pass through Samaria. And I just love that because Samaria was not the only way to get into Galilee. It was the easiest way. It was the fastest way. A lot of Jews didn't want to go that way because they didn't like the Samaritans and vice versa. There was a big old feud between Samaritans and Jews at this point in time. They basically hated each other because Samaritans were considered to be quote unquote half breeds. During the time of the Babylonian reign, like years before all of this, the Jewish people who were left in Israel after Babylon took over were somewhat like the lowest classes of people. And we'll see that that happens when we actually get into uh, some of those stories. We'll see that the people that were left were like servants and farmers and just uh, people that didn't have high standing in Israel were left to take care of the land. Now, of course, the Babylonian king took all the like rich people and all the middle class people and transported all of them over to Babylon and then left all the poor people in Israel. So those poor people that were left in Israel many years prior to this began, um, intermarrying with the cultures that were around them and that is who the samaritans were were those children the samaritans were basically like partially jewish people but then also had a lot of other cultures mixed in there so the jewish people the i suppose the true jewish people really did not like the samaritans because the Samaritans had a mixture of a religion, too. They were partially Jewish, but they had a lot of, like, paganism mixed in there also. So they kind of had, like, this whole half-law thing going on. And because of this, there was a lot of, like, religious feuding. And we can even see some of that with what this Samaritan woman talks about with Jesus, where she's like, you Jewish people, you know, you, you say that we have to worship in Jerusalem, but we worship here on this mountain, So you can see that there's a lot of religious tension happening also, and racial tension between the the Samaritans and the Jews. So Jesus didn't necessarily need to pass through Samaria to get to Galilee. He could have gone around it. But it's interesting that Jesus said that he did, in fact, need to pass through Samaria. And this is one of the few times that we see Jesus entering into a Gentile region. He doesn't often do this. Jesus definitely stayed within Jewish borders for the most part, though on certain occasions he would go into Gentile or Samaritan regions if he was specifically needed there. And he was, in fact, needed there. He needed to encounter this woman, and not just for the sake of this woman, though that was part of it, it was also for the sake of this entire Samaritan region, which was called Sikar. But before we get directly to that, it says, Jesus came to the city of Samaritan called Sikar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, if you remember Jacob, he was one of the patriarchs of the Jewish religion. There were three patriarchs. It was uh, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Jacob was the third one. And through Jacob, the Israeli people were born. And since Samaritans held some of the same heritage as Jewish people, Of course, they would also think that this area of Sakaar that Jacob, their patriarch, had once owned was a very sacred piece of land. So Jesus sat down near Jacob's well. And it says he was tired. Jesus was very tired. And this was about the sixth hour. So this kind of shows that, you know, Jesus, he was definitely a human, right? (laughs) He got tired the same as the rest of us. He was God, but yet he had a human body, so he did, in fact, get tired. And it says this was about the sixth hour, so this would have been around noon, when the sun is the highest, and it's very hot. So Jesus sat down near the well, and it says the disciples went into the city of Sychar to go and purchase food. So it says a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And I can imagine this woman, especially if she's a social outcast, because it seems like she is, because... This is a crazy time of the day to go and draw water when the sun was the hottest. Typically, historically, women would go in groups together in the morning to draw the water for the day. So this Sumerian woman, who we don't know the name of, was definitely a social outcast because she didn't go with any other women. And she went during the hottest time of the day, which was kind of nutty. But she probably did that to avoid other people. <laughs> I can imagine she probably just did not want to see anybody else. And that's the reason why she did this. I can imagine when she saw Jesus sitting there at the well and she was going to draw water, she was probably like, oh, there's a Jewish guy over there. Like, (laughs) I just want to avoid this guy. I can imagine she went to like the opposite side of the well to like avoid Jesus, not realizing who Jesus was not realizing that this was going to be the best encounter of her entire life. So the woman starts drawing out the water and Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Now, this would have been very culturally outside of the norm for Jesus to talk to this woman. First and foremost, because Jesus was a rabbi and we know that The Samaritan woman saw Jesus and knew he was Jewish immediately, probably because he was wearing like the rabbi clothes, the tassels and all that. And so because of this, she knows he's Jewish. She knows he's potentially a teacher, a Pharisee, a rabbi, something like that. She doesn't know who he is yet. But you can see that this woman is absolutely shocked that Jesus starts talking to her. And also because of the fact that Jesus is a man, a Jewish man, who has never Uh, Typically, a Jewish man would never, ever speak to a woman, a Samaritan woman nonetheless. And rabbis, apparently, I found out, were not supposed to speak to women at all in the streets. And I guess they wouldn't even like address their wives and weird things like that, where that's never stated in scripture. That was just like a cultural thing that rabbis would do. And this shows that Jesus, being a rabbi, wouldn't do any of the stupid traditions. I mean, Men and women are very equal. God created us both. You know, men and women both are created in God's image. So Jesus is not going to do these traditions of not talking to women in public just because that was the culturally accepted thing to do at this time. So Jesus says to her, give me a drink because this woman is drawing the water and, you know, it's the hottest time of the day. Jesus was tired from his journey. He's thirsty, So he tells the woman to give him a drink. And it says, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So the Samaritan woman is shocked, right? Because Jesus is talking to her. And she says, how is it that you being a Jew ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And I kind of went into that already. But yeah, this Samaritan woman is absolutely shocked at Jesus's request for water. And it doesn't seem like she gave him water. Maybe she did. And maybe that was just left out. But <laughs> she's like, why are, why are you, you Jew, you Jewish man, rabbi, why are you asking me for a drink? And so Jesus says to her, well, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus is talking about himself. He's like, look, if you knew, the gifts that God can give you and who I am, then you would ask me to give you living water. So this woman's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. So she's like, I don't see any bucket that you have. She's like, this well is very deep. And then she says, where are you gonna get this living water? And she's like, <laughs> are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us this well? And drank from it himself and his children and his livestock all drank from it. So this shows that there was some significance, some religious significance to this well to the Samaritan people, because obviously their patriarch, their father was also Jacob. And he had dug that well years and years prior to all this. And she's like, this well is as good as any. She's like, this well was dug by our father, Jacob. Is it better than this water? Are you better than our father, Jacob? Jacob. So then Jesus answers her. He's like, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. I love that he doesn't even address her like snarkiness. He doesn't even like get insulted, offended, nothing. Because this woman really is being not exactly rude, but she's very jaded. You can tell by the way she's talking to Jesus that she has had some deep hurts in her life. She probably doesn't trust Jewish people at all and i don't know i mean you can tell that this woman is definitely uh bitter or jaded in some way and so jesus doesn't address it he says everyone who drinks of this water here at this well will thirst again but whoever drinks the water that i give him will never thirst again but the water that i give will be like a well of water springing up to eternal life so jesus is saying that what i have to offer is better than any kind of earthly water you could ever get, even from this well here. He says to her, What I offer you is so much greater, and it's like a well of water that springs up into eternal life. And he's like, And you'll never thirst again if you drink that water. And if you guys listen to what I was talking about in John chapter three, where Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he actually claims to Nicodemus that people are saved by water. And what he was talking about there was the living water that he's about to reveal himself as. And here is where he does it. He reveals himself as the living water. But this woman doesn't get it. And she's like, "Sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to come all the way over here to draw water." Ah, <laughs> oh, that's like what we really that's what we do to God. A lot of times we're just like, "God, make my life a lot easier." Like that's great. If if you're going to make my life easier, perfect. Give it to me. I'm good for that. But also this is like absolute dripping in sarcasm, like what this lady is saying, because she doesn't believe him at this moment, I don't think. She's like, give me this water. Yeah, I'll take that because then I don't have to come over here to draw water out of this well during the hottest time of the day. (laughs) And so Jesus, Jesus changes the subject a little bit. And he begins to speak to this woman's sins immediately. This is where you know we we know that Jesus is extremely loving because he's lovingly talking to this woman, right? He's lovingly ignoring her sarcasm. And now he begins talking about her sins in a very kind way, but nonetheless, he does talk to her about her failings. And this just goes to show you that first Jesus befriends this woman. He talks to her. He tells her about the gifts of God. He makes her interested in, you know, the things of God. And then he calls out her sin. And I think this is a a good way for us to evangelize. I I used to, um, back when I was at the Baptist church when I was a little kid, we used to have these tracks and I'll never forget them. I'll never forget them. (laughs) They were blue. And our church would give them out all the time to the congregants so that we could pass them out to people. And uh, when you open them up, they were blue and gray on the inside. And and the inside says, you need to know that you are a sinner. And my mom was like, let's not use these tracks. She's like, I'm not going to use these because I just don't think this is the right way to Talk to somebody about their sin. I just, I don't like this. So we never ended up using those tracts, but our church would hand them out all the time. And honestly, if you look at what Jesus is doing here, he wasn't initially calling out her sin because people don't like to hear that they're, you know, in the wrong. People don't like to be criticized immediately, especially from a stranger. But also, after Jesus befriends her, he is not afraid to call out her sin of living and marrying five different guys, six different guys actually. He was not afraid to call out her sin. And so that's how you and I have to be, not initially calling out somebody for what they're doing wrong. We have to soften them up to the gospel, which is what Jesus does to this woman. But also we can't be afraid to call out people's sin either. Once people are softened up to the gospel, that's when we can begin addressing maybe some of the ways that they might be living in sin and it's not wrong to do that the world wants to tell us we can never call out anybody's sin we can't call out anything because we're all sinners and we can't judge blada blada blah. but that is not true it says in the bible that we do as christians we have to call out people's sins we have to live holy we have to have judgment because if we don't have judgment how are we going to know when somebody is sinning or not and if we don't know when somebody is sinning then that person starts leading other people astray We do, in fact, have to call out sin, and Jesus often does it. So there's a balance between the two. We can't be too hard on somebody when we first meet them, when we first start evangelizing to them, but we also can't just be overly tolerant and be like, yeah, everything you're doing is great, because that person at that point is never going to recognize that they're a sinner, is never going to recognize their need for a Savior, and then may never find salvation through jesus so there has to be a balance and jesus hits it perfectly with this woman of course because he is god so this woman says to jesus i have no husband and jesus says to her you have said well that you have no husband (laughs) he's like you've had five husbands and the guy you're living with right now is not your husband you have said that truly so jesus knows this woman's heart he knows everything about her and this woman is like shocked And she says to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And I don't know if she was being sarcastic here either, because maybe she'd be like, I see that you're a prophet. Or she could have just been like, wow, that was pretty on point. You don't know who I am. I perceive you're a prophet, you know, like maybe. I don't know what her response was there with that. But uh, she ends up deflecting either way. She doesn't talk about her sins anymore. Instead, she asks him about what he believes. She says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem, this is the place where people ought to worship. And so she deflects away from her problems and asks Jesus about a potential problem that he might have. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. So then Jesus says to her, you know what? That doesn't matter anymore. He says, the hour has now come when people aren't going to worship in Jerusalem or in this mountain anymore. But instead, you're going to worship God everywhere. And wow, I just looked down at the clock and realized that I'm about to hit 30 minutes here. (laughs) I've been just talking and talking and having such a great time. So I'll wrap this up pretty quickly. But yeah, Jesus basically says to this woman, that doesn't matter anymore. And she's like, well, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. And when he has come, he will declare to us all these things. And so Jesus said, I am he. He reveals the fact that he is the Messiah to this woman. And she is fascinated. And at that moment, the disciples come. And we don't know if Jesus had any more discussion with this woman or not. But either way, this was all this woman needed. And she leaves her water pot there. Right after the disciples uh, see Jesus talking to this woman, she leaves her water pot and runs into the city and starts declaring to the people. She's like, this man told me everything that I have ever done. And he, she says, could he be the Christ? And by the way, the disciples during all this are like shocked over the fact that Jesus was talking to a woman. Cause don't forget what I said about rabbis. They weren't supposed to talk to women in public, especially a Samaritan woman, but they're shocked. And uh, they don't actually end up asking Jesus specifically about that, but they're like, Jesus, eat some food. We bought some food from the city. Here, eat some. And he's like, no, I already got food. And the disciples are uh, shocked by this. (laughs) They're like, who fed you? And Jesus is like, no, no, that's not what I mean here. I'm talking about like figurative food from the father. He's like, my spirit is being filled. It's being fed. So at this point, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, it says that many from the city came to the well and listened Because of what the Samaritan woman had said. So you never know. Here's the thing about this. If you encounter somebody, you never know how that's going to affect that person. Sometimes people who look like they are never, ever going to believe the gospel end up doing some of the best kingdom work. Because people who have been in a very broken place like this Samaritan woman was, end up turning around and having so much joy in the gospel. So that's just a little nugget of uh, you can't judge a book by its cover and never be afraid to witness to somebody based upon the way they look. You never know how it's going to affect that person and honestly, the, the people around that person in the long run. And of course, this Samaritan woman who potentially looked very battered ends up evangelizing to her entire city. And because of the Samaritan woman, many people come out to visit Jesus and end up believing in jesus because of jesus's words and so that's what the city ends up saying to the woman they say you know now we believe not because of you and your speaking but we have heard him ourselves and now we know for sure that he is in fact the savior of the world and so many samaritans because of this encounter jesus has at that well end up believing in jesus because of his own words but the Samaritan woman helped get the word out, helped spread the word to the entire city. And that's how God works. That's how Jesus works. Even though we can't save anybody, like I can't save a single person, but I can get the word out that Jesus saves. And that's how God works with us. You know, we we don't save anybody. Jesus is the one that does the saving, but we can get the word out. We can evangelize and Sometimes little chance encounters that we have with people could have monumental effects for God's kingdom. I actually drew a picture of the Samaritan woman in one of the books I illustrated, which is Encounters Through John's Gospel. And this is a, a book my friend actually wrote and I illustrated it for him. And it's written by James Stewart, who goes to my church. He's an older man that um, was a pastor. He was also a doctor of theology, I believe. And yeah, he wrote a book and I illustrated it. So I'm gonna link that book in the bio of this podcast episode because it definitely relates to everything we're talking about in John. And actually you could follow along in his book as we're reading through john because actually he did his book in the web version also and so yeah it might be kind of interesting for you to pick up a copy of his book it's very cheap right now on amazon i think it's like six dollars and uh follow along with the bible explained podcast with it and you can see some of my illustrations there also (laughs) But anyway, I'll link that in the bio of the podcast episode. And I'm also going to link all the other things that P40 Ministries does. P40 Ministries, if you guys don't know, is the ministry behind this podcast. And uh, yeah, but yeah, I do a lot of different things with P40 Ministries. So check out all the links and uh, follow everything. But friends and faithful listeners, I do hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you didn't, if you think it's going to help somebody, please share it on your social media platforms. Do a comment, write a review, whatever you want to do to spread the word about the Bible Explained podcast. And I thank you guys so much for doing that. But you know what? I will see you tomorrow morning for an episode out of Deuteronomy. We are flying through Deuteronomy. We're already in Deuteronomy 16 as of tomorrow. So that's kind of crazy for me. But yeah, we're moving into Deuteronomy 16 tomorrow. So I hope you guys enjoy that uh, episode. Hope to see you guys there 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up. Happy listening and God bless.